The title of the message is Benefits of Wisdom, and I just want to read you some context here. So check these out. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Three very, very important things. Help you to do what is right, just, and fair. Look at the next one there. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Verse 5, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and the riddles. Verse 7, fear of the Lord is a foundational verse right here. Fear of the Lord is the, there's that word again, foundation of true knowledge. Or fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Translation: some translations say. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. So once again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true knowledge. You can only have true knowledge if you have true wisdom. So fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Verse 8, look at this. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. That is powerful. Let's pray again real quick. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Speak to us through your word. We thank you and we trust you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to do something a little different tonight. I have a lot of points here. We may or may not hit all these points. Probably not. The benefits of wisdom, I found those in the first nine verses of Proverbs. So look at this. If you have the list there, put that up for me. Look at this. Benefits of wisdom. Let me read these with you. Number one is understanding. Two is a disciplined life. What, what is a disciplined life? What does that mean to you? Anybody? What does disciplined mean to you? You do it regardless of how you feel. Discipline can be, it can be commitment. I remember my brother used to have this plaque on the wall growing up and it said, um, commitment is the fulfillment of a resolution long after the mood in which it was made is gone. Sticking with what, you, what you're going to do there. I bet Olympic athletes have to say that over and over again, right? Waking up at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning to run, to train. They're eating right for years. And it, the, the Olympics are only every four years. And then they go and then they lose sometimes. And they go again and then they win a medal. And many of them have been working at it for 12 years, and then they become the best in the world. Discipline is staying with it, whether you feel like it or not. Discipline is having structure and routine. Okay, we'll get back to that. Successful life, number three. Number four, insight. Somebody say insight. Number five, knowledge. Number six, discernment. Number seven, guidance. Number eight, grace. Number nine, honor. Number 10, peace. I, I, need to, I need to confess something to you. Do you have verse 33 back there, Liz? I don't know if she gave that to you. Let me read Proverbs 133. That's where I got the last. There you go. Perfect. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. So let's go back to our list, okay? That's where we got peace and no fear of harm. It was actually in verse 33, the last verse of the first chapter of Proverbs. What is the big deal about wisdom? Why do you need wisdom? Well, you interact with people daily, don't you? You interact with somebody every day. 
another human, you're sitting next to a human, you're sitting in a room with other humans, you interact with other humans, you interact, you're a believer, this is, usually this turns out to be a believer's service on Wednesday night, there's folks that are already believers, usually, so you're a believer and you need to know wisdom on how to interact with God, what's the protocol, how to honor God, how to trust God, what to, how to pray, that, that, that requires wisdom, proper application of God's word. So we see a list here, Proverbs chapter 1, of all this stuff, all right? And I'm going to hit some of these. I may go out of order, but we're just going to leave the list right there, and we're going to hit some of this stuff. Point one is understanding. Understanding. You ever dealt with someone who just didn't get it? They just didn't get it. Now, it doesn't always mean they're dumb. It doesn't. This is going to tie into ignorance and other things, but sometimes they just don't know. And sometimes they're just not getting it. I think I've had that with me and my wife when we're talking. And she's like, baby, you're not listening to me. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm hearing you. And she's like, no, you're not listening. <laughs> I'm not getting it. Some of you are laughing right now. It's interesting. Some of you are like, I've been in that situation where I'm just not getting it. I don't have an understanding of the situation. I don't have all the facts. I'm going to hit this up on Sunday about facts as part of the way of wisdom. But you just, you just don't get it or somebody doesn't get it. One of the benefits of wisdom is you have understanding about things. You start, to, you start to get it. Start to say, oh, that's how it works. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean rocket science or how chemicals interact and chemistry and physics and all that. Some of that can get pretty deep in quantum physics. But sometimes you need understanding. Not sometimes. Let me take that back. You need understanding every single day of life. I'm going to tell you right now, Sometimes it's a lot harder to love somebody or to walk in love with somebody if you don't understand where they're coming from. Sometimes we're just irritated with them and we say, man, they did that. I don't know what their problem is, but you don't know their background. You don't know their past. You don't know what they're dealing with right now. I've seen folks act out and you didn't know they were going through some serious personal problems at home or in their mind or in their health. You didn't know. Understanding, when you actually get it, wisdom gives understanding. I would say that understanding is a is a firm grasp of the bigger picture. You can say, oh, this is why that happened. This is why this happened. This is why this happened. This is why Sunday's message is going to be important. I'm going to bring up a story about Solomon and about us getting all the facts. Many times you will not have understanding about something if you don't have the facts. Now, you're not always going to be presented with all the facts, but the facts you are presented with help you to achieve understanding, okay? To understand, to get it. Okay, that's a benefit of wisdom. Point two here, a disciplined life. A disciplined life. We talked about discipline briefly while I was reading through the list. Discipline is staying with it. Discipline is having a routine. Let's be honest here tonight. How many of you say, yeah, you know I like surveys, right? I like to see what the crowd has to say and where, where, they, where they stand with certain things. And I'll, I'll raise my hand, and you'll know where I stand, okay? You'll know more about me tonight. How many of you, it is hard to have a routine and discipline in certain areas, or a lot of areas maybe? Raise your hand. Wow. Such, such honesty. I think y'all are so honest. I don't. And some of you, maybe it comes more naturally. I don't know. It does not come naturally to me. It does not. I mean, in my weakness, I think every day would be different just for variety. 
because I'm naturally a free spirit. Now that, y'all are smiling, and thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy and your patience. But truthfully, that can be really, that can be kind of fun, and maybe that's fun sometimes, but that can be kind of, after a while, it can be depressing. Say, man, I don't know what to expect. Everybody's eating up my schedule. And see, I have to have a plan because folks are looking for me a lot. All right? As a pastor, I have to have a plan. I have to have office time. I have to have time when I'll take calls. And I have to have time when I say, man, I can't take that call right now. I'll return that call in the morning. Does that make sense? Being disciplined is having structure. I remember in high school, of course, he had to be one of my top two or three favorite teachers of all time. His name was Mr. Hansen. A white guy, spoke fluent Spanish, and he was our Spanish teacher. He was colorblind. He'd, write, he'd wear polka dot ties, like purple and pink, and then he'd have bright yellow fluorescent socks on. He was colorblind. He'd ride his bike to school. He was very quirky. He had a master's degree from the University of Mexico in Mexico City. A double master's in Spanish language and in Latin American history. So the guy wasn't dumb. He was very intelligent. But I remember showing up to class, and he was such a free spirit, he'd say, he'd say it in Spanish, and he would rock on his heels like this. He was also a chess master. So the guy was like genius level. He would rock on his heels like this, and he'd, he'd talk in Spanish, and he'd say, Buenas tardes, clase. And he pronounced so well. Good afternoon, class. What should we do today? What? He'd say, how about we sing? And he had a tape player, and he would play Spanish songs, and we would all sing together. He'd pass out papers, and we'd sing Spanish. And he was a free spirit. He wasn't real structured. And he was just kind of loose. He had loose ends with his lesson plan. I learned fabulously, but I remember the girl that ended up graduating number one in our class our senior year. This was our soft, my sophomore year when I first had him as a teacher. She said, I can't stand Mr. Hansen's class. One day she told me. Her name was Manisha. I said, Manisha, why not? He's amazing. It's fun. He goes, it's fun for you. She goes, but he has no structure. I don't ever know what we're going to do. And then sometimes he's hesitant about homework. Like, I'm just like, assign the homework. I don't even know. And then a lot of time he doesn't have homework. We do a lot of learning in the class, but he doesn't. I'm like, but aren't you glad? Like, you're, you're always stressed out. She says, no, it stresses me out more that he doesn't have structure. And I was like, man, I loved it. We'd show up to class and be like, what are we going to do today, you know? And he kind of had a structure, but mostly not. Discipline, I think, goes along with structure. Now, somehow God used him in my life, and I had decided I was going to learn Spanish, and God really used him, and I saw him, and I said, that white dude speaks some of the best Spanish I've ever heard. I'm going to be like him and like my dad, because they're not native Spanish speakers, and I'm going to learn to speak Spanish. So he inspired me, and I learned. But his lack of structure was tough on some people. Lack of discipline in the class. I remember there was such a lack of structure that I tried to free, I tried to wing it too one time. He said, y'all are going to give a speech, and it has to be this long. So I went up and I did the speech, and I did it without notes. Here I was, a 15-year-old in 10th grade. And I remember he marked me down, he gave me an A, but he said, you didn't have notes. And I thought, what? This is the structure-free zone. But even a guy who was semi-unstructured or mostly unstructured, he, he wanted structure in some areas. So we see that a disciplined life is very, very important. 
Discipline's important for you, I believe, in your walk with God. Why? Why do you think discipline is so important in your walk with God? What do you think about that for a minute? And give me, I was going to say, give me a righteous answer. Or give me a, an educated guess if you don't know. What do you, why is discipline, why do you think that is so hard, I mean so important to your walk with God? Of course it's hard sometimes. Almost everybody in here raised their hand. Why do you think discipline is so important in your walk with God? Well, how about this? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that's a great answer. You ever been through a season, men and women in here, where you felt like your emotions were just wiping you out? You're like, man, I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. I don't feel. And it's good to have a baseline where no matter how you feel, you go, this is what I'm going to do. Every day, I'm going to tell you right now, I love music. And God has blessed me with a, a, a newer vehicle. It's a used truck, but it has Bluetooth in it. And it was like one of the dreams of my life to have Bluetooth in my vehicle. Because I have over 2,000 songs on my iPhone, and I've got a lot of cool music that I really like. Okay, I'm a big fan of music. Um, talk to people who know me. I go to the shower. I put on music. If I go, my mind calculates real quickly. If I'm walking to go change or put up clothes, I go, I need music. If I'm going to shave, I put on music or a teaching or the word. I, I'm listening to something all the time. Some folks are like, I need quiet. I'm like, let's put on music. Do I want a beat? Do I want piano? Do I want worship? What do I want? But having said that, since I've gotten my vehicle, I felt God lay it on my heart as part of my Bible reading or Bible study to listen to the Bible on CD. It still it has a CD player. I inherited some CDs from my uncle and aunt. I'm going to tell you how hard it is sometimes. I just want to listen to music, but I know I need the word more. Now, there's a time for praise and worship. That's powerful. You need to have praise and worship in your life. You should own some praise and worship music or have access to it. You need that. You need to be able to praise God. But I'm telling you, so many times now, I, once I've committed, I feel like God is going, nope, play the word. Because I drive back and forth to my mom's house a lot, and it's a drive. Sometimes it's 15 minutes. So I'm not just in the car surfing radio stations. I'm making it productive and I'm listening to the word and you know what happens a lot there's a control to rewind the CD on the steering wheel I know some of y'all that's old news I've never owned a vehicle personally that did that so I think I'm amazing I turn corners and not in a just a proud way but I just happy-go-lucky like I'm amazed really I'm turning corners and I'm trying to calculate and go can I still turn the volume as I turn the corner oh wait wait re rewind while I'm turning the corner like this is amazing I'm like oh where is it okay there okay Wow, okay, I need to straighten up so I can do the volume better. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't always feel like listening to the Word in the vehicle. Does it mean I just don't listen to music anymore? No. But now I make sure that I listen to several chapters of the Word every day because I'm in my vehicle enough to do that, apart from my other reading. Okay? Discipline. A decision to do what needs to be done. Discipline. Firm, steady, and stable in accomplishing what God has called you to accomplish. Say, man, I want to be closer to God. How do I do that? Listen to the word. Read the word and pray. Do the basics. Do the five things we do as a church, right? And as believers. Read, pray, fast, give, share your faith. Basics. And I believe those lead to wisdom. So a disciplined life is very important. Why? Because you don't want to be guided or led by your emotions. You don't. 
Trust me, you don't. Can you imagine if we did everything we felt like doing? It wouldn't be good. It would not be good. We see recently that somebody did what they felt like they should do in Florida, and they shot up a school. Now, was he out of his mind? Probably. But he felt like doing that. Was it demonic? Was there demons involved with that? Probably. And say, man, it was just mental illness. Whatever it was, he felt like doing that. He lost himself. He lost his mind and went in and killed 17 folks. His name was Nicholas Cruz. He felt like he, he had no discipline. You study this, this kid's life, and I think, I'm not sure how, does anybody know how old he is? Was he 17 or older? Oh, he's 19. Okay, I don't know why 17 stuck in my mind. He's, okay, he can be tried as an adult. I think they got him on 17 counts of of murder and 17 counts of attempted murder. But the kid was so undisciplined that social services and the sheriff's department visited his house 36 times. Is that discipline? Say, no, I'm controlling. A large part of discipline is having self-control. Wow, I don't know why I'm staying on this one so long, but I feel led by the Spirit to do this. Self-control. We don't do everything we feel like doing at the moment. We don't say everything we feel like saying. We don't, we don't do everything we think we need to do right then. Someone like me has to hush and quiet themselves. Now, there's different personalities in this room. They have to speak up sometimes. Me, usually, mine is shutting my mouth. Other people, it's opening their mouth because they don't ever say anything. And me, my propensity, I have, I have a natural propensity to... Say what's on my mind in lots of ways, especially the people closest to me. Say something, say something, say something. It's like, no, you don't have to say something every time. Hush, be disciplined, have self-control. A large part of discipline is walking in self-control, okay? Number three tonight, look at this. Look at this. Not going to go much longer. Number three tonight. Successful life. Wow, wisdom will grant you a successful life. That's verse 3. It says their purpose is to teach people to live dis disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. What do you think is a successful life? In your estimation, what's a successful life? You don't have to say all of it, but you can. So let's give some attributes of a successful life. What do you think those are? Not all at once. You'll, you'll confuse me. Good relationships, that's huge. I don't know that everybody has gauged that as success, but in my mind, that is success. Good relationships, according to Scripture. What else? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Scripture says those, um, that uh, those led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So being led by the Spirit of God, doing the right thing at the right time, having good timing. What else would be successful in your life? You can say it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Make plenty of money. Have more than enough money and not be broke and poverty stricken. Okay, that's fine. You're not going to be in trouble for saying that. Anything else? Any other thoughts about a successful life? How about this? This ties into one of the later points. How about being at peace? Being in a good place within yourself, even though you're going through crud. Even though you're going through all kinds of stuff. I know some folks in this room that are going through some stuff with their families or whatever. And, and to be able to walk in peace through that, that is, that's a challenge sometimes. But I believe that's part of having a successful life. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have 
trouble. Yes, sir. Oh, gosh. I think maybe that might, that may sum it up. You being much older one day and saying, I did, I did what God called me to do. I finished the race. I finished the race. I did what I was called to do. I did it to the best of my ability with God's help. And here I am. I finished the race. One more. Anybody else? Successful life. What else could be a successful life? I think, I think this is leading a successful life. Of course, walking in the word would just cover all of it. But walking in forgiveness. That's a successful person to me. You talk to them and they're not bitter. They're like, yeah, I've been hurt, but I'm not, I'm not holding a grudge. I, I can't hold a grudge. I, I forgive. I believe that's a successful life. And that's so important because everybody has painted different pictures of success out in the media, huh? It's this. You need this. Your best body now. You're this and that. Hey, you should, you should take care of yourself. You should eat right. You should be comfortable with yourself. I believe that's a part of success, being comfortable with your body and how you look and stuff. But is that it? Like that's all they offer on those magazine covers? That's it? Take a pill. You'll be successful, right? It's going to burn fat. Well, I don't know. Is that real success? Success is being close to God. Success is walking in peace. Let's jump down. I want to jump down to point six here. Point six. Discernment. Discernment is an old school way of saying, basically, you can tell the difference between good and evil. It's that simple. Say, oh man, he walks in a spirit of discernment. He can, well, he can tell, some, because of the Spirit of God, he can see someone's motives. He can see what kind of spirit they're operating in. What, it, what is their intention? What, what's their intent? Um, I believe discernment is very, very important because, man, you can get into a wrong business deal with something, with someone and something. Not everything that glitters is gold, right? You ever heard that saying? It may look good. Uh-huh. I'm reminded of the story. I think Latins have this in their, in their folklore because you hear about people tell this story, and I've heard aunts and uncles tell this story, and maybe, maybe everybody has this in their folklore about a woman who was at a dance one night she shouldn't have been there there was alcohol and everything else and they were getting their groove on and everybody was walking in lust probably but they were at a dance and the best looking man in the whole crowd approached this girl and he's probably doing like saturday night fever i don't even know what they did in that movie exactly but he's pointing and looking at her and walking toward her i don't know the best-looking guy in the whole place. There's hundreds of people. And this is the best-looking guy this woman has ever seen. So they dance the night away. Have you heard this, this story? Okay, don't tell anybody yet. So at the end of the night, she looks down, and it looks like she has possibly been dancing with the devil because he has goat's hooves. Did she have any discernment? Uh-uh. He looked good. And the story is, well... Everybody wanted to get the devil or whoever that was, a demon or a part, whatever that was, and destroy him, but he ran to the top of a hill and disappeared. You've heard variations of the story, probably. My point is, this young lady couldn't tell the difference between good and evil. She was dancing with the devil all night because he looked the best in the room. Scripture says that Satan presents himself as an angel of light. Y'all got to remember, he may be hideous now, but he can put a show on. He used to be number one in heaven under God. He led the orchestras of heaven and worship in heaven. Scripture called him the son of the morning. He was beautiful. 
Scripture says, you were beautiful, you were the son of the morning, you had it all until sin was found in your heart. He said he wanted to be God. He wanted to receive all the praises for himself. He, he said, I will do this. I will be like the Most High. I will do all this stuff. Man, not everything that glitters is gold. I've seen folks go out for an amazing paying job, and it's amazing. It's wonderful, but it's not what they thought. You ever seen that? Say, man, it was crazy working with them people, or man, there was illegal stuff going on, or you never know. Sometimes things look amazing on the outside, and they could be a house of cards. Everybody know what a house of cards is? The slightest breath of wind may blow that thing down. So not everything that glitters is gold. Ask the Lord for discernment. You say, man, a spiritual gift, it doesn't matter. Ask him for discernment. You don't even have to be that deep about it. Say, God, give me wisdom to have discernment and see the difference between good and evil, right and wrong, a good decision, a poor decision, something that's great and something's not so great. Because how many of you know, sometimes things look ridiculous and they're a good deal. And other times, they look fabulous and they're a terrible deal. They are a terrible deal. Back in the day, without consulting God too much, I think I just said, Lord, bless this as I do it. I was buying houses and investing in them and fixing them and selling them and doing different things. I was in my early 20s. And I remember one house was such, no, more than one house. There was, no, I take it back. There was at least two or three of them. But one in particular, it was, I bought the house, my partner at the time, he said, man, look into that loan. Make sure before we assume payments on this, you're going to take over payments on this. He said, make sure, make sure, make sure. I didn't listen. I didn't listen to advice and wisdom. Man, the air conditioning unit was broken in the house. The people I took over payments from, they were behind already. So when I fell behind a payment, it was going into foreclosure. Not good. I needed discernment. I needed to listen. That's a large part of wisdom is listening.